You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. This is Leon from The Dice Men Cometh. I thought I'd talk to you at the start of the episode because you're not going to hear much from me for the next couple of weeks because these guys have actually done some stuff in the board gaming world, whereas I've been sitting on my little lonesome. So episode 341 that you're listening to right now in your little ears is all going to be about packs. And then the next couple of episodes are going to be about packs because what we do on this podcast, as you should know by now, is talk about all the board games and card games and role-playing games and all that kind of stuff. And apparently they had lots of those at PAX, didn't they, Marky boy? They did, Leon, and I'm excited to say this is part one of our three-part PAX extravaganza. Oh, sorry, I forgot to say PAX extravaganza. And, by the way. you know, so <laughs> excited. I think we've got, I lost count actually, almost 30 interviews over the next three episodes with designers, publishers, artists, content creators. And us. And us. And primarily Mark doing a lot of talking. So we, I, I do need to say straight off the bat that, Mark, you did a bucket load of heavy lifting over PAX weekend. And I do want to say thank you very much for using your new toy, yes, which allowed you to create some high-quality audio content. Well, the listeners will be able to judge for themselves. But, yes, I did find that, A, it worked really well, my little handheld recorder, much better than waving a mobile phone in people's face. And secondly, after A, it um, it looked really professional. The number of people that sort of started to walk past and then went, oh, 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 a media person and sort of backed off and looked very embarrassed. And uh, so that worked as well. It did. It was really good. And look, we hadn't been since 2019 mm. when the two of you, Leon and Mark, were last there and I missed out. I was there in 2018. So... I can't wait to actually talk about, you know, what it was like there, but I think that's not for another couple of episodes. We don't even get to talk about how much fun maybe Pax was, maybe. No, but no, no. We're no, not no. gonna we're not gonna spoil that lead because it could be really, really just it could have been horrible. Well, that's right, because we, we've got so much content that we're gonna be putting out three episodes, but we're gonna put them out a little bit more quickly than we normally do. So I think we're gonna put out the whole three episodes just spread out over Two or three weeks, so you'll get all sorts of paxy goodness. That's like a normal podcast almost. Just about. Except the longer episodes, because we're good at what we do. But in this first episode, you will hear from people like Good Games Publishing, Good Games Retail, Quillsilver Studios, uh, Guff Studios. You'll also hear from our friends at Let's Play Games, at VR Distribution, You'll also hear from a couple of gaming luminaries in the Australian scene, like uh, Wade Dyer, sorry, from Fragged, and Mark Morrison from Cthulhu. Right, so we've got some big guns from publishers and whatnot in this first episode. Mm. So we're going to talk about two games that you lads played. And now, since you brought them back with you, I played only a few seconds ago. We're going to talk about them in the first half of this episode before we get all to those interviews. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick little breaky break. Hi, this is Richard from Melbourne, and I want to remind everyone, don't teach the Dicemen government how to play games, or they'll beat you at them. Hi, this is Sarah. Um, I'm down here in Melbourne as well, and uh, hopefully one day Mark will learn how to count five. 
And we are back after our quick little breaky break. We didn't actually have a break. That was about three seconds. It's <laughs> the magic of podcasting. Mark probably just put in a cool little sting that I'm sure he's just got from PAX because Ooh. he's got a, a whole truckload of new ones. He's ready to get chucked into that podcast. Not just an ad for Patreon anymore, even though, by the way, support us on Patreon. We give you stuff. It's really good. That's right. But Garth, let's talk about some games. Absolutely. Let's start with a particular game or an game, as they say in the industry. And this was a game that, Mark, you and I did play Mm -hmm. over PAX. And it is a game that is being released by our friends at Good Games Publishing. Now, there we go. That is their official music intro. Stop it. It's just so nice. So, look, Good Games Publishing, obviously, you know, they started a billion years ago with Monstrous. A little dexterity flicking game about Greek titans. Remember when we got to take the uh, the prototype of that to BorderCon? Yeah. And it just it pretty much stayed on the table the whole time. It was that fantastic. Seems like a thousand years ago. That's right. But now, what, what a, a, a publishing behemoth, really. You know, they've got or Unfair and a bazillion expansions. They've got Funfair. They've got Guildmaster. They've got Land versus Sea. And now they've got Too Many Cooks, which is... A little bit different to what they have done lately. Let me explain. Do. So, it's a cooperative card game that's played in three rounds. And Leon, yep. you only played in five minutes a round. Oh, excellent. As long as there's no timer or anything, that's fine. Five <laughs> Thankfully, uh. for anyone like Leon, who doesn't like particularly the real-time stresses and stresses and pressures, it's not in real time. Each player is going to be taking their turns as they go. However, each round is timed, so you really need to be doing what you need to do really, really quick. Mark. Yeah, you don't have time to be dealing with your own anxiety because you're busy being mad at your friends for taking too long on their turns. That's right. So that's good for mental health-wise. That's fine by me. So anyway, we'll get to why that is. Yeah. However, the, the theme of the game is that you're, you're all chefs working together on d- a delicious soup that satisfies shared culinary tastes. The catch is each chef has secret personal tastes, which must also be sated. Mm. So in this game, it's just going to be quite a quick setup. There are eight different types of vegetables. You know, you've got your eggplants, you've got your tomatoes, you've got your onions, you've got your garlic. Hang on, hang on. Okay. Fruit alert. Fruit alert. Tomato is a fruit. Uh, let's just let's just put that one to the side. Sure. Because who puts fruit in a soup? <laughs> Seriously. But you don't make friends with fruit. Correct. I mean, who puts eggplant or even aubergine into a soup? Well... Uh, what? What? Aubergine? Yeah. I love aubergine. I like it too, but I... I like eggplant even more. But I don't go chucking it into a soup. And we nearly, we really do need to get the, like a scratch thing on that to actually make sense of these sound effects. <laughs> As in like a, whoa, hold up there. Can I keep going now? Ah, uh, sure, why not? <laughs> why did we let him do the buttons again? I don't know. Okay, so we've got eight different types of vegetable and or fruit. Mm-hmm. Each pile of fruit or vegetable has eight different cards in it. And each of those has two of each different colour. Yep. So there are two red tomatoes, two blue tomatoes, two green tomatoes, and two yellow tomatoes. Um, Garth, sorry, I'm going to have to cut you off there. No sound effects, Mark. I'm going to have to cut you off there. Can you please use their correct names? Yes. So one of the great mini-games within this game, before we even get to it, is that it's not a tomato. No. It's a blamato. Yep. And a... 
Grimato, coming to you from Good Games. That's right, or a Grimato, or a Ramato, or a Yamato. Yamato, yeah, sure. Although my favourite yeah. are the eggplants, yes, the bleg plants, yeah. and the eggplants, and the reg plants, and the Greg plants. I I preferred Yobagine, but whatever. <laughs> Okay, so this game has a series of, uh, I guess, levels. There's easy, medium, and hard. And the amazing thing about this is that the designer, uh, Jarrah Bloomfield, has basically computerized the whole game and tested it a squillion billion times in the, the playtesting to make sure that everything's going to be okay. You'll always be able to win this game if you play optimally, which is great. And it comes with this little setup. You you will choose, okay, I want to start easy. I'm playing it with the kids. I want to make sure life is fun. You'll start an easy one. You flip over this card and it's got a four by four grid of the cards that you're going to set up with. So it'll tell you where you need your Blamatos and your Bobagines and your... Greg uh, Planche. <laughs> your Greg Planche and your Rush Rooms. And your Blalik. Exactly right. So you'll have that set up and that's your start. That's the, the canvas that you'll be then mm. using and changing as the, the round progresses. It's the recipe. To make your soup. Well, it's not the recipe. The recipe's all gone. It's like, that's just that's just not right. It's all wrong. Okay. And you know how I know it's all wrong, Leon? Because you've got cards in your hand telling you otherwise? Exactly right. Because everyone is going to be having a couple of taste cards. Now, there are 60 in the game, so there's a lot of variability. Uh, in the first mission, for example, everyone's going to get two. Now, these are... Not double-sided, but they are double-ended, I guess. A double-purpose. You flip them up depending on a thing. It's going to tell you on your cards what makes you satisfied with the particular soup. So it might be, for example, that you need to have two identical carrots. So I need to have two blue carrots, two red carrots, two green carrots, or two yellow carrots in the soup, and that makes me happy. What's a blue carrot? A blarret. Oh, a blarret. All right, continue. So these cards that I'll be holding and that Mark, you'll be holding and Leon, you'll be holding and there might even be a couple of face-up ones that you're collectively trying to, to make it part of the soup is on the, the reverse side of them, there's a smiley face and a sad face. Mm. And you're basically having the orientation depending on whether or not your taste has been satisfied. That's the one you were looking for. Well done. <laughs> so typically at the start of a round, you're going to get your cards. You're going to look at the taste cards and go, I need to have a carrot in every row. Or I need to have three eggplants and three mushrooms. And that's not what I've got. So you're going to start with all of your taste cards being unsatisfied. So you've got the green, the sort of the, the grizzled, mean, grunk, cranky face facing up. And the goal that you're going to find is that you're going to try and adjust the tastes of the soup throughout that five-minute period to make sure that your tastes are satisfied. But it's not that easy no. because my tastes are not the same as your tastes, Leon, and they're definitely not the same as yours, Mark. And there's also these, these ones that are face-up that everyone knows what they need to do, but I don't know what your tastes are. So if I take out one blarret and replace it with a, a, a blank plant... What's, what's that going to do? Is that going to make Mark unhappy? Is he not going to like me anymore, Leon? I needed that Blarret, for God's sake. So, over the course of five minutes, you're going to be doing round and round around the table, and on your turn, you're going to be doing one of a thing. You're either going to exchange one of the existing... Ah, wow. <laughs> oh, God. 
Right. <laughs> I thought I thought I might be able to get away with that. It sounded like you were taking a leak at the table. That's exactly what I did. I just want to clarify, listeners. Leon was pouring a drink, not taking a leak at the microphone table. Yeah, you keep telling them. Carry on, Garth. Excellent. So on your turn, you are either going to exchange one of the cards that is in the existing face-up tableau with another one. The rule around that being you have to replace the same vegetable with the same vegetable or a different vegetable as long as it has the same back colour. So you can do a Greg plant for a Bleg plant or you can do a Greg plant for a Grarit. Correct. You can. Excellently if, pronounced. If that doesn't make perfect sense That's to you, right. then this game's not for you. So yes. Clear as mud. You're going to be doing that or you're going to be either rotating one of the rows, of which there are four, and they've all got to, so I guess, kind of like a conveyor belt system. You can't just adjust two cards. You've got to move them in that sort of sequential order. Uh, same thing for the columns. So you're either going to exchange a card, you're going to rotate a row or rotate a column, or you can pass. And you might want to pass if both of your taste sensations or all of your taste sensations have been satisfied, so you don't want to adjust the soup, but also that the communal goal has already been established mm -hmm. and you don't want to stuff that up. So you can quite happily pass. Now, the round's going to end either when the five-minute timer goes off, or when everyone passes because they're all satisfied and the communal um, sort of challenge is satisfied as well, you'll all go, yippee, and then you'll all score, depending on how well you've done. Obviously, if you've all passed and you all have had your taste satisfied, you'll get some stars and you'll progress to the next difficulty. Or you will have stuffed up. Yeah. And you won't have all achieved your things because, Mark, I needed that rarit. And you replaced it with a Greg plant. And I don't know why you did that. And because of that, I don't satisfy this taste anymore because I needed two carrots of the same thing. And we're going to lose a star out of that. You want to be able to ultimately, over the course of three rounds, get to, I think it's five stars. That's the um, sort of the benchmark to say you're now ready to progress to more complicated soups. Yes. And that's really all there is to this game. It's very, very simple to explain, Leon. Yeah. It was explained to you in a matter of a couple of minutes. Yeah. And even that was probably longer than it needed to be. Yeah. Which is good. Uh, and it is simple, but challenging. Yeah, well, thinky, quite thinky. Well, considering that three us gamery gamers of all gamer town, we just played a game a second ago. You two basically veterans by this point. Me, my first game, but I'm a gamey gamey McGamington. And we played the three rounds and we ended up with the solid one star and a five. <laughs> yes, that's right. But we, so we didn't fail. We right. didn't fail. Right. We just made some uh, bad soup. Well, yes, we did. Uh, and Mark, you chose to put us on medium or moderate. You didn't want to start Leon off as easy. No, well, uh, he's a gamery gamer from Gamington. He said that. Yeah, well, I think maybe maybe we need to be easy gamer from yeah. Easington. And I'd like to say I've never been called easy before, but that's not true. <laughs> hey, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Too slow. I don't, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Try the fish. Happily married man. Or the vegetable <laughs> soup. So this, this game is the latest game from Good Games Publishing. Um, while we were at PAX, they got their first little delivery of this particular game. Mm. So the copy that we haven't played was almost as hot off the presses as you could possibly get. And we, Mark, very fortunately, were, were able to play it with the designer himself. Yeah, and um, in fact, spoiler alert, Oh, if you listen to the rest of this episode... Which you will, of course. Yes, it's the best bit. You'll hear us talking... Oh, sorry. You'll hear me talking and you'll hear Garth going ah, ah, in the background, like the funky given he is. Um, when I talk with Jarrah Bloomfield, the designer, 
Um, he'll explain the rules, probably not as well as you did just then, Garth, uh, and the process behind it. And you'll also hear Kim Brayback from Good Games Publishing talking about Too Many Cooks and how they're excited to bring to the market. And oh, I don't want to spoil too much, but it'll also be in this same episode, Garth. There we go. It's like we planned it this mm. way. So I don't really have too much more to say about the mechanics of this game because it is quite simple. However, the devil is absolutely in the detail, and this is why this game can be perfect for younger gamers and families, but it absolutely can be that sort of filler game that you put in at the start, middle, or between longer games in a, in a gaming session. Well, as you said, you know, it only takes three rounds of five minutes because you have a five-minute timer, plus the amount of time that it takes to set up between rounds. Which is like a, not even a minute. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's bright and colourful, Yes, they're just pictures of Greg Plants and Bleg Pants, but it's easy to see because you want it when you're rushing because it's a timer. You want it to be nice and clear and easy to see whether you've got a Greg Plant or a Bleg Plant or Blarit. That's right. And the key is, Mark, sometimes you just got to take quick turns, not perfect turns. And this is where you can do the perfect turn for you because it's going to give you exactly what you need. But we've got four and a half minutes to go still. And neither Leon or myself have got any of our tastes satisfied, so we're definitely going to have to adjust what you've done. Now, I think the rules, though, are a really nice um, sort of explanation of of explaining how communication can't and can be done. And the cards are a really simple way of that, you know, just swapping the cards around so that everyone can see whether or not you're happy or you're not. But it sort of encourages in the rules that if someone makes a, a change to the suit that you're not particularly happy with, you'll go, oh! That's disgust. That's just, what are you doing to my soup? That's horrible. Yeah. You're not going to be saying, I don't like mushrooms. Don't put mushroom in the soup because I, I need no mushrooms. I need more eggplants or in there. So you, you can't have that kind of conversation, yeah. but you can say, oh, that's gross. That's, that's a horrible decision. And I like how they yeah. sort of have that included because that's one of those challenges in these kind of games. As yeah. long as you do it with a French accent or a rat's accent. <laughs> that's the way they're supposed to be. Um, so this game has a time limit and we've talked about of late that people like myself that have uh, anxiety when it comes to time limit in games or in anything in life in general. Whereas because this game has the difficulty levels, you can start out as easy as easy can be to wrap your head around the game and the fact that it is a co-op game, you are working together, even though sometimes you might have to do a move that makes somebody else unhappy, but Mm. it needs to be done and they can kind of work their way around it by what they've seen you do and what the words you've used to communicate with them. So if you start off like that and then kind of build yourself up, like at at no point in the games that we played was I overwhelmed by the decisions in front of me because as you said, the iconography is simple enough, it's all basic enough. So you start from there with it and then you just kind of go along. So, but yeah, no, this is not a bad game at all. Good games know what they're doing. Kim knows how to pick them. Yeah, absolutely. Although, and now we did raise a question, not about this game so much, but we talked about three games. Well, yeah. So, you know, recent games that that good games have, have produced, it would be this. Uh, land versus sea, uh, fluttering was it fluttering souls fairy season and fairy fluttering seasons. Souls. Yep. So so all of these games are small games. You know, decks of cards or a relatively small number of hexes in in this case of land versus sea. All the boxes are different sizes. <laughs> yeah, and this one's basically just cards. It's all it is is a deck. You know, probably what like two, two, two decks of cards. Two decks of yep. cards, and it's in a box that's. 
quite a lot bigger than what you'd need for two decks of cards. I mean, it is, it, and it looks nice. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I was going to say it is a sort of a. It's almost a code name size yeah, box. Stan- I, I was going to say a standard medium size board game box that maybe is a similar size to if people are familiar with your like Forbidden Island tin or something like that. It's about that size ish. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe a tad smaller. But yeah, yeah code names is pretty much bang on, and then even the. I mean, Codenames is a bigger box than what it needs to be mm. what's in the content. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be curious. as to, I'm sure there's some design choice behind it, but I don't see why it couldn't have been smaller. And as you said, why it couldn't have been more uniform if they've started this kind of trend in the last three or four games they knew coming down the pipeline of having like a board game series. There are some people that love those uh, companies that bring out series of games and they'll keep some of them even if they're maybe not a huge fan of them, just because they like the series of it. Well, you look at something like Garfield Games. You know, yeah. Garfield Games are, are really quite adamant. It, our games are going to be this shape, this yeah. size, yeah. and we're going to manage to fit it all in, and, and that comes with pros and cons. Yeah. Uh, years ago, obviously, Grail Games, you know, when they did Too Many Cinderella's yes. and um, Elevensies and 101 yeah. and all of those games, it was the Mike line from memory, mm. and they were all just, you know, small box games that were the same. Oink classic example i think that good games maybe has an option you know to do that because yes there's plenty of room in the box here there's plenty of room in the fluttering souls box and look the fairy seasons box is again just another deck of cards um so again people much smarter than me would be making those kinds of decisions because obviously um shelf presence is a thing that needs to be considered so you know it looks good yeah it has some really lovely illustrations on the box and i suspect maybe that you know, a game about chefs, you need some lovely pictures of chefs and a maybe a small little picture isn't going to cut it. Whereas a game like, say, Fairy Season, maybe one fairy is enough to il- illustrate that it's a game about fairies. I don't know. Anyway. Nor do I. No, anyway. But either way, we played it and it was good. Check it out. It was fun. And yes, I, I absolutely think it's one of those games that could fit into the, the stocking coming up to Christmas time. But this game, you see, it's about making a nice soup, which you can either have, you know, as a kind of an entree or a main to a meal. What if it's at the end of the night and you just want to have a bit of a snack? So some sort of board game, like snack type thing. You can, you see what I'm doing here? I, yeah. I do know. This this oh, Liam, you should be in radio. I know, I know. Well, what do you answer- think I've been doing while you guys have been at PAX? I've been, I've been practicing my <laughs> professionalism. I haven't just been at home drinking and playing cyberpunk and being a father, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> so the answer to that question, Leon, is no, absolutely not. Uh-huh. At least until after we have a break. All right, we'll be back shortly to talk more games and more packs. My name's Dan, I'm from the Board Game Barbecue, and Leon is my favourite dice man. That's so hard. All right, we're back now, and before we go to the Paximosaurus of Paximosauruses in that a mountain of interviews. We're going to talk about one more little game that we uh, got from Pax. And this one we got from our very good friend Steph from Let's Play Games. Yes. Well, Mark, it is it is one of those games that... Oh, actually, it's over over there. Hang on. It's in that, it's in that pile. Yeah? Oh, no. It's not your pile. It's my pile of games. No, no, <laughs> it's not your pile. Oh, okay. Wow, this is seamless. The game is called Nacho Pile, people. 
That's what it's called. Now I'm going to do a first on the dice. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that is something that I've I think most listeners have wanted us to do. Yep. Which is enter the world of ASMR. Oh, it's about time we made some money. believed that that would be radio well it's not it's a podcast now <laughs> although it is on radio from time to time hello right. okay so nacho pile is a game that again we we walked into pax and obviously we're not talking about it because pax was either good or bad but you won't find out yet um but uh there was quite a large presence by quite a few distributors mm. in this particular um gaming convention and one of the games that had quite a prominent little setup was nacho pile Mm. now from that absolutely professional little bit of introduction and asmr recording as leon alluded to this game called nacho pile comes in a packet of chips and we also should mention which we haven't yet that it is uh distributed by pandasaurus which is a distributor we've been hammering the games of in the last few episodes because they like us a lot, and we like their games. We do. We lo- we love them. They're awesome, and obviously, we love Nacho. Yes, that's right. So in this game, which comes in a chip packet, which I'm going to stop touching because otherwise it's going to destroy the audio. Yeah, you can't just be pouring out a drink or anything in the middle of a podcast. That would be <laughs> unprofessional. In this game, in the packet of chips, there are little Dorito. Plastic corn chips. Plastic shapes. And they are numbered one through to seven. And there are a couple of wilds in there. And there are a couple of special abilities. On your turn... I'd say Doritos. We might get sued. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Corn chip shaped triangle things. There you go. That's right. They're not on the ABC. Can't even say corn. They're a band. We don't want to get sued. Oh, damn. Chips. That's a movie. Triangle. Oh. Triangle yellow pieces. There you go. Reconstituted triangle food. Yep. That's right. They are numbered one to seven. And each of you will have a little plate. And on your turn, you are simply going to put your hand in the bag, draw out a chip, put it in front of you, and it will be numbered one through to seven, or it'll be a wild, or it'll be a special thing. You just keep drawing chips until you stop of your own volition, or you bust. And the way you bust is by drawing two of the same number. So I've drawn a one, and a three, and a five. Hey! But if I draw another one or a three or a five, I bust. It's another push your corn chip game. How many of these yeah. have we seen over the years? Well. None. The answer is none. We've not seen any. Once I've drawn and I haven't busted, I'll pass the bag to the player to my left and they will do the same thing. And if they don't bust, they then get the added bonus of taking any of the chips that are in front of me that are the same number that they drew and putting them onto their pile. Mm. So it becomes increasingly a bigger nacho pile. And then Leon... If you're the next player after that, you get to do the very same thing. And if you manage to draw some chips and don't bust, you get to take all of the remaining ones that are of the same number that you've drawn and put them in front of you. Now, if it manages to come all the way around to me and I've still got chips in front of me, they're safe. I can put them on that plate and no one is going to take them for the rest of the game. And really, that's the way the game works. You'll be 
drawing chips. You'll be pushing your luck. You'll be trying to make sure that you get as many chips that you can of all the different numbers, one through to seven. When you draw some wilds, you choose what number it's going to be at the time. And there are three specials. So there are two of each type. There's one that allows you to basically remove a pile of chips from in front of anyone and put them back in the bag. You can score one of the piles that you've got and put it straight on your plate. Um, or you can steal some. And it's, it's really that simple. Yep. Now, the game's going to end when there is only one chip left. That chip will be revealed and it will be either a number or it'll be a wild or a special. If it's a number, the player that has the most of that number on their plate win. Simple. If it's a wild, if it's a special, it's whoever has the most chips win. And that's all there is to this game. And it seems really, really, really... Yeah, okay. And it starts like that. But then it gets tense and then it gets exciting. And then you go, oh, do I want to trigger the end of the game? Because I haven't really got that many chips. And Mark's got a big stack of one nachos right in front of him. But I think there's a number one in there. So if I draw it, I'll get all those ones. And I want to do that. I want to take that pile because it is nacho pile, Mark. Yeah, it is. my pile. Yeah. Yes. And that's all there is. This game is really, really simple. It's really little. It's great novelty value with these this packet and this little plastic non-trademarked corn-based food substitute triangles. Yes, and it is, by the way, it, it looks like a bag of uh, corn chips, but it is, it is reusable, by the way. It isn't as flimsy as your packet of corn chips. Well, I have to admit, when I saw it, and when Steph from Let's Play Games was talking about it, I thought, I have got to get a hold of one of these. I'd seen it from a distance. And then when she handed it to me, and I was like, this is exactly like a bag of corn triangle edible substances. And there's probably more contents in this bag of chips yes. than there is in most yes. sort of commercially bought bags of chips. There's less air. But I did think... Uh, the air is in there for a reason, Gov. This is a clever little marketing ploy, but probably doesn't have much of a game. And I have to admit, I was pleasantly surprised... Yes, it's simple, but as we played it here tonight with the three of us, Garth, as you, as you, I, and a special third member of another podcast, podcast. who was at the airport with us, you did play it while I was away. We, um, you know, you'll have to stay tuned to episode. Oh, boys on tour, three hundred and forty-three for that one. Disgraceful. Um, but I was surprised to see how much of a game there was in there, and that it is. Actually quite engaging. Shall I be the one with the elephant in the bag of corn chips and mention the... The, the possible, eggplant in the room? The possible, yes. The possible Robergine. Um, to, to spoil about this game is that it is, it is a bag of chips, as you mentioned, that everyone's putting their hands in <laughs> one after the other continuously. Yeah, look, COVID and, yeah. and this kind of game... <laughs> You want to you wanna make sure that you're comfortable doing this or that you have lots of hand sanitizer yeah. or that you maybe don't play it just yet if you're not comfortable. Yes, and or maybe just don't play it if it's really hot. <laughs> if it, make sure it's a nice, cool room. Mm. Make sure that you, I don't want to say rinse out the bag after every game. That would be ridiculous, but maybe give it a few minutes between games because, yeah, you are all reaching into one bag, touching the same components, then handing that bag to somebody else. So it does get a little bit sweaty. And in this day and age, that's, you know, a few years ago, we probably would have went, oh, this is a bit weird, but not thought twice about it. But we, we know some things now. Yes. So uh, this game was probably in the pipeline 
I dare say, a few years ago, and they thought, nope, not a good idea yet. Yeah, well, what they were actually doing, Steph was was talking about this, is that they just released a guacamole-based game. Oh. And they were trying to see, is there a way to release the nachos with the guacamole game oh, at the same time lovely. so you can have your chips and dip style thing. Which I think is, look, in terms of marketing, it's great. And I think, yeah. you know, this is, this is again, a, a perfect little game that I can see. Sit on the counter of any game store. Yeah, but really what I can see is that people who don't know anything about games going into a game store and choosing it. Yeah. Choosing it for their younger younger siblings or their younger family members because yeah. it's novelty, it's interesting, it's like those throw throw burritos and, and artichoke something or other yeah, and all kittens, of that. Yeah. It just fits in that little mould of it being accessible to gamers because it's a bit of fun. It's a push your push your luck short game with a bit of novelty value and that's absolutely fine. I think it's great. But it's also something that if you saw it, yes, on the counter. Or even like on lolly displays, you know, where it's sort of just got the, the yeah. hole through the middle of the packet and they're all lined up like an like a packet of chips. It would just sell. It's a relatively good value game. It's yeah. only thirty bucks or something like that, which is which is pretty good. You can compress the game once you've squeezed the air out of it and chuck <laughs> it in a handbag or a man bag or a backpack or a travel thing and, and play it in airports as as some of us did anyway. Yes. Huh? Some of us did. I think there's there's a market for this. I think it's really cool. I would, however, pay money to, if that were to happen, they were to have it on counters on like those little pegs around gaming places around the world. I bet good money at some point someone will be buying a game or something for like their kids and go, I'll grab my bag of chips or something as well. How much is this bag of chips? Oh, it's 32 bucks. <laughs> what? That's insane. The way cost of living's going, Leon, though. Yeah, just that's go, right. That's yeah, a bargain. Yeah. That's a I'll take bargain. three. I'll take four, yeah. yeah. We should find out if they're edible because this could come in handy. <laughs> but yeah, it's a decent push your like game and it looks cool. Well, there you go. That's two games we've played. Now, we've got a special treat. Hold on to your hats. Hold on to your headphones or your earbuds, or that piece of string wrapped around your ear, you're about to get blasted by not one, not two, not three, four, five, six, seven, not nine or ten, maybe eleven. I've lost count. So many interviews from PAX that Garth and I did, or in fact, Garth, yours is, doesn't even make this episode. They're all from me. I hope you don't get sick of hearing me talk. Uh, just curious, are we going to say goodbye to our friends now or are we going to wait until those interviews are done? We might as well do it now, really, and then they oh, can okay. just listen to all the interviews. What do you think? Okay, love you. See you next episode. You won't hear my voice for the next half an hour, 40 minutes or longer, but uh, join our Patreon and give us money because we love you and we make awesome content on it. I'm saying goodbye. goodbye. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, enjoy the interviews. Okay, I get the point. Till next time. Bye. Ooh, yeah. Hi, this is Random. These strange men beat me up and told me I had to say something to the microphone. So listen to their podcast. <laughs> so here I'm at PAX again. I'm speaking to someone that I love to catch up with because he's always got so much to tell us. <laughs> It's Kim Brayback from Good Games Publishing. Kim. Hello, Mark. Long time no see. Yes, I know. Too long. Yeah, and look, you're looking really well, I must say. I, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, hopefully you've had some, some time to yourself over the last couple of years. I mean, I believe there's... There was lots of online testing of games. 
wasn't Thanks. really by myself, but yeah, it was hobo style. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, Good Games Publishing, to me, you're just going from a strength to strength. Obviously, we had Land versus Sea earlier this year yeah. was one of our biggest shows. We yep. devoted a whole show to it. What? How, firstly, how is that going internationally? Uh, it's been a bit of a hit for us. So we're onto our third print run of the game now. It's sold really, really well in Australia and many other countries. So we're printing it kind of by the container now, which is very exciting to be at that level. Fantastic. Um, we partner with the French-Polish publishing company Lucky Duck Games. Yes. They do a lot of brokering of games into other languages as a side business of their own. So okay. we partner with them because localizing games, I thought I could do it all myself. It's a huge job. Yes. So we came to a deal with them for them to broker all our games into localization into European Asian languages. So that's been very successful. We've just received, uh, and I've got them set up on the booth, nine different languages of Land vs. Sea all set up so they all look nice together. So that's really exciting. So we've got it in German, Spanish, Catalan, Portuguese, wow. Italian, Hungarian, Czech. What Polish? am I missing? Not yet next year and then uh, Chinese and Korean oh, brilliant. and there's more languages coming. Did I say German? Yeah. Yeah, because it always it, it does strike you as a European game it, so I imagine it would be really successful I in Europe. so and you know it's just come out in Germany or it's at Essen now which is the same weekend as this and they're demoing it there. I think it goes on sale in Germany in a few weeks and we're already getting great, great reviews out of the Germans and it's part of the, what appealed to me about the game when I first played it as well. It's just like it's so elegant, so simple. It's play a tile, yes. score a few points, a few little tricks, and then we added a bit of spice in with the double-sided tiles and, and the play-agains and steals and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So people seem to be responding really, really well to it. And oh. it's so whimsically fun. It's just quite a charming game. So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. There must be some others on the horizon that are sort of the land versus seas of maybe next year. Well, Can you tease us a bit? Yeah, well, we're just at PAX here. We're just demoing... Uh, Too Many Cooks which mm -hmm. is our next game comes out I think at the end of October or early November it's just arrived in Australia oh, so wow. it'll go out into distribution that's a cooperative cooking game oh. where you're a bunch of fussy chefs trying to make a soup together it plays in five minute rounds so again it's very quick to learn yes it's a couple of simple rules about how you can place tiles and what you're trying to do but you've all got hidden goals and you can't tell people what your hidden goal is so people have to kind of within five minutes it's it's really it's it's co-op but with hidden hidden goals. So you have to positively work out what other yes. players' goals are, and then start to get a feel for it. And but the only way you can do that is you rotate the cards around, so your cards have a happy end and an unhappy end. It says the same information <laughs> for you privately, but the back side of the card that's facing uh, the other players just shows a happy chef face or an unhappy chef face. So you're just signaling that way, but you can also be really vocal about it. You can go full Gordon Ramsay and tell people how <laughs> disgusting that movie is or how delicious it is, but you can't say exactly why. So you can't mention the vegetable that's on the card or the color. Oh. And so that creates this great dynamic where people yeah. are in a bit of a flurry, a bit of a panic, trying to make their stuff work while other people are trying to make their stuff work and they'll bump into each other with their goals, but they're all solvable. So they can all play things in such a way that they, they can solve the collective puzzle that they've got between them. No, fantastic. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's a very fun one. Great at conventions, really easy to demo. So, and I yeah. imagine pictures of food are always very colourful, very bright, attract the eye, so I'm very hungry, so game. we have to stop talking about food now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very pretty game, very attractive box. So it's kind of like if you played Overcooks, the 
the computer game. It's uh, Overcooked's a similar sort of theme. Okay. And so a lot of people play computer games have played Overcooked. It's yes. a very popular game. And it, it's not the same uh, mechanisms as that, but it gives you the same feeling of like all trying to madly cooperate together and sometimes you succeed, sometimes you don't. And yeah. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Can't yeah. wait to give it a try. Yeah, I'll get you a copy. Anything else? Uh, we have Drift coming up next year. Oh, very excited yeah, about that. Yeah, Drift's we, been a long time coming. I was going to say, we've followed the journey with you and James. Yes. From way back in, it might have been LFG 2016, yeah. maybe, when we first saw that one. Yeah. So it's been a long time coming. We kind of have to wait with COVID because it's a real sort of, it's a bit more of a buddy's game where yes. you're sort of playing with your gamer friends. Uh, it's, I think it makes a, a good family game, but maybe between parent and kids a little okay. bit more. But that one's definitely warming up now. We're going to kickstart that early next year. We've got models sculpted already. We've engaged uh, one of the industry's best board game artists, Quanchai Moria. Oh, yes. Uh, wow. He does a lot of fantastic box mm. covers to give us something, a real signature look. He's really excited about it. Fantastic. He's got buddies who are into drift racing, so he's researching it live now and oh, all wow. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, it's it's going to be really cool. Well, that's um, going to be great. And we will catch up with James also later on. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a lovely guy to work with. Talented designer. I probably said this before, but the first time I talked about it, first time I played that game, I was just floored by how simple and elegant and realistic it was. Yes. And that's what we get. The feedback is, oh, this is actually a racing game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not a kiddie little racing no. game. It really feels like you're driving a yeah. car and you're drifting around the corner, you know, taking the big risks, yep. or do you tuck inside? Yep. It's got some fantastic elements. So, yeah, yeah really great. I, I don't like to say these words, but anything else? Yes. <laughs> I have a lot of other things. I'm looking at our big screen over there showing all the upcoming games. We have picked up a game called Citrus by a young Melbourne designer, Sean Lee. Citrus is a engine-building area control game where you're trying to get your gangsters out of, you know, the underbelly of Citrus Ooh. all the way up into... Um, the towers of Stratos, where all the elites are. Yeah. So you're trying to basically climb up garbage chutes, but control the garbage chutes oh, you climb up. Wow. And so it's kind of this weird mix between almost go-like area control and engine building as you collect resources, ways to generate resources and collect resources. Really fascinating combination of uh, mechanisms there with a bit of worker placement in there as well. And this is a new this uh, was, young Australian designer? Yeah, he, he kick-started this himself uh, earlier this year. And we had a chat with him because we liked the look of the game. I had a play of it. I thought it was a really interesting mix of things. And we just sort of talked together until we were able to work out how we could help take him to a sort of a global audience yes. out, outside and beyond Kickstarter, which is a thing that we're pivoting to. We're looking to pick up more games that have Kickstarted okay. that are a, a sane retail prospect. By that, I mean haven't gone crazy in Kickstarter and added on too many really, really expensive components yes. that in retail, frankly, just make yeah, it they're not more challenging. In they're less interested in it and it pushes the price up so we're trying to get games that sure you could maybe do some extra stuff in kickstarter but as long as we can get a retail version of it that is the right price point for the game experience and the, the, the game looks great and the game fulfills its promise when you play it we're looking for those kind of games so that's quite exciting for us because okay. we've picked up a few we've got another one like that called bark avenue yes. which is a competitive dog walking game uh, set in new york city yeah. where you so pick up and deliver game where you basically trying to walk probably six to eight dogs over the length of the game and you as you're walking them you're trying to find out the things that make them happy so that when you return them to their owners you uh, get extra yeah. tips out of it and you've got secret gold cards which you're trying to collect different types of dogs the big dogs or small dogs or all all the sizes yes. or dogs from certain areas or dogs that have certain requirements 
and then you'll get extra points based on that as well. So that's the kind of light to midweight, pick up and deliver, very, very thematic game designed by a New York couple, yeah. one of whom is actually a dog walker in her day job. Wow. Musical theater at night and dog walking in the day. And that's um, Mackenzie and Jonathan Junk. So um, yeah, they've been great to work with. They run a board game review channel oh, that's reviewed really? some of our games. Wow. So I knew them, I said, tell me about your game. Yeah. And we played it and I was like, that delivers exactly what it promised on the box. And we talked about getting to the right price point. We made that work. So it's all steam ahead for that wow. one as well. My wife is actually dog mad. Really? So I'm going to have to get you to it's, get me a copy of that one. The great thing about that one is the backers of the game could pay extra to get their dogs <laughs> into the game. So I think all of the dogs yep. in the game are actual dogs, either from foster dogs, from yeah. like foster care, like people who've taken on foster dogs, or uh, people who've just put their pet in and helped pay the game designers okay. to get the art done for the game. And so there's just this great mix of fantastic looking dogs in there. That sounds like, imagine a wingspan, but with dogs. My wife actually pitched that to me. She said, I want a game like this, but with dogs. Yeah. Sounds like you've got it, it maybe. It's pretty close, yeah. Awesome. And obviously also this weekend, you're going to try and spend a bit of time looking around things like the collaboratory to see if there's any exciting new stuff you yeah, might be able to I mean, pick up. The great thing about this show is it's the biggest convention in Australia. So every... Well, not every designer, but like probably 90% of people designing games in Australia come here and they play test their games with each other. They pitch games. So I'll be spending some time in the collaboratory, but I'll also be finding people to, you know, have a look at their games in the evenings when awesome. I'm not on the booth and that kind of th stuff. So we picked up Land vs. Sea here a few years ago. We picked up the Dumas Wellsville, which is another one of our upcoming games. It's, it's a great spot to pick up games that people are working on because they're all showcasing their games. Yeah. And I get to play them in real life, not on Tabletop Simulator, which Fantastic. is much Fantastic. Oh, like it, yeah. it must be a big relief to be moved, to move back to that. But I guess at least you've been able to get a lot done. Looks like you're about to fall over. No, so I'm all right. I'm okay. I will survive. I was going to say, I'll, I'll let you go and get some food though. But Kim, it's been lovely to catch up again. You too, Mark. I'm really excited to hear about all these new games that are coming. Thank you. Here we'll you get are. you copies of everything. Oh, oh. <laughs> Shh. We'll edit that bit out. <laughs> um, but you know the fact that you're taking Aussie designers to the world now you're even you're bringing in designers from around the world as well the business is just going from strength to strength so it's really exciting to yeah, see yeah we're in a growth period it is very exciting thanks mate all right now I'm very excited to be sitting here in the good games publishing area with a new young upcoming Aussie board game designer called Jarrah Bloomfield and I'm sitting here at a table with lots of brightly colored vegetables, maybe fruits, if you want to argue about what a tomato is. And he's got a, a new game coming out soon called Too Many Cooks. So firstly, Jarrah, welcome to the Dice Men Cummer. Thank you so much for making the time to have a chat with me. Thanks for coming um, and having a chat. Tell me, tell me a little story about yourself and the game. I really like playing cooperative games. Yes. I really liked Hanabi, which is a, yes. a firework uh, making game. Yes. It's very very collaborative but there is that tension there there yeah. is that uh, limited information limited communication uh that i really enjoyed but i found that especially bringing new players into an army it's very punishing if you make a mistake yes you can really ruin the game for everyone it feels terrible so i wanted to replicate the core feeling of we're all working together we do have some limited information and some tension yeah. in how we work together but you can make a mistake you can undo it it's easy uh, and it's a bit less friction for new people joining in. I've made uh, a nice soup making game with some hidden information 
uh, in the mix where it's almost like a multiplayer puzzle. You're yes. all working together to try to figure out how to meet what you both need at the same time. Okay. And Kim did mention to me that he met you at a previous PAX here, is that right? Yeah. We met at CanCon ah. in Canberra, actually, a few years ago. I don't remember how many years ago. Yeah. Four or five years now I've okay. been tinkering and refining and trying different aspects to get to the place I'm, I'm really very happy with. Okay, and it sounds like you're very, very close to final production? Yes, this is a final production. It will be in stores across Australia, uh, hopefully end of October, but Ooh. maybe early November. You're from Canberra? Yes. Do you so mind I'm if I ask what you, what you do for a day job? So I work in cybersecurity. Ah, oh, I was going to say, shh, <laughs> can't tell me anymore. Do you make soup on the side, or is this, <laughs> what, what led you, because I, like I get what you're saying about the way the game works, how did you then decide on the theme? It really is an abstract game at its base. Yes. But it just fits so well uh, with the idea of cooking together. Yes. Especially the expression, too many cooks, just yes. perfectly captures exactly uh, what the game's got going for it. Oh, awesome. So I think it's just uh, a nice happy coincidence that two kind of uh, concepts fit so well nice okay, lovely. together. And so I've got to ask, uh, do you have other games in the pipeline or that are, that are close to coming out? How, what other exciting things can you tease us about, maybe? I know, you know, there might be NDAs and all sorts of things, but anything you can tell us, we're, we're happy to get the scoop. I've been tinkering with games for a while. I have a, a online puzzle web game you can play called knowyourpants.com. Oh. Uh, but I think once this is out, I'm ready for a break. Okay. It'll take some time and... Just to play some games, maybe yeah. rather than push my friends to play test every yes. time. Yes, I've seen that a lot with people where all they ever unfortunately have time to do is play testing, and you do need to be very thorough with your play testing. It sounds like you have been, so feel free to take a well deserved rest. Thank you. It's been lovely to chat with you, and now you're going to run us through the game. Yeah. Awesome, I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Jarrah. Great, thanks. Brilliant. So here we are, PAX on Sunday, it's almost over, and I have been waiting all weekend, James, to speak to you, James Allen, the designer of a game that, uh, as we were just saying, we've followed it through yeah. from LFG in Sydney 2016, we saw a prototype, CanCon two years later, it developed a little bit further, here you are, you've had queues backed up for people to play your crazy. game. crazy, yeah, yeah. Uh, Drift. Yep. And... We heard on the grapevine, but now it's very, very close. So you want to tell us what's been happening, what's about to happen? Yeah, sure. So I, and before I answer your questions, can I just say, I'm, I know I'm late to the table on this. So glad you guys are back. <laughs> I, when you popped back up in my podcast feed, I was, I nearly had to pull the car over. You're I was so excited. Kind. So, um, yeah, so uh, Drift was all set to go to Kickstarter back in 2019. Mm. Uh, and then I don't know if you follow the news at all, but uh, yeah, usually, but bit of a, sort of a thing teeny global pandemic. Uh, and uh, Good Games Publishing had to shift gears a bit, no pun intended, uh, and uh, Drift had to sort of take a seat on the back burner. So things are finally starting to move again. Um, we have uh, brand new miniatures for the game, uh, the first prototype miniature, uh, which I just picked up on Friday uh, at Morning of the Facts. They look fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things are starting to move again with the game. Um, I don't have a concrete date. Kim saying uh, next next year definitely yeah. hopefully early next year. Yeah. So yeah, that's what yeah. he told us yeah. was bring US time. Right. Maybe? Yeah. I mean, who can believe anything that Kim says? But we won't tell him <laughs> that. Um, 
So, like, so exciting, and uh, the miniatures seen today, they look great. Yeah, thank you. But the, the response you've had from the crowds here. Just crazy. So yesterday, I mean, Friday was crazy enough, but yesterday I had groups, like, too deep lining up to, to play. So, yeah, it's, it's had a bit of a buzz. The number of people that have come up to me and said, I've heard about this game, I've got to try it. So, yeah, it's, as we said, it's had a long development cycle but it's totally benefited from it. It's got the exposure and the game's got better. Yeah, so. and you, um, I've heard you've, you've tweaked the drift system to actually make it easier, but more fun, yeah. more available to actually do some drifting. Yeah, and to encourage drivers. So of course, if your game's going to be called drift, you want people to do drifting. Yeah. So uh, there's new rules in the game where you earn points for taking riskier drifts yeah. um, around the course that hopefully pay off later for you. And, the whole idea is to encourage people to leave even more rubber on the track yes, by the end of the race than exactly. ever before. So, yeah. We've sort of seen the whole journey that you've you have, almost yeah. the whole journey. Yeah. So close now. Yeah. Not that I like to say what's next. Yeah. But, James, what's, what's next? next? So, there's already rumbling talks about how to handle an expansion. Yes, of course. So, if the game is successful enough to warrant that, I can't reveal anything because, of course, everything's just up in the air yes. at the moment. But there's NDAs. certainly things, well, not necessarily NDAs, but, you know, there's things that I want to include. We just haven't figured it out yes. yet. Uh, so certainly there's talk about additional track pieces, talk about potentially a car customization uh, option so uh, that you can, you know, mod your car, yeah. um, giving you access to new things in the race. Possible driver abilities in the game Ooh. so that each driver is a bit unique. So. Yeah, don't, don't hold me to any of that. We'll see how it shakes out. But we've got ideas to make the game even better. So Fantastic. Look, James, so lovely to catch up with you again. Thanks for making time for us. I can see the people just champing in the beach. i got to get back the there. Yeah. Down. <laughs> but all the best. And keep us in the loop because we can't wait to see this go gangbusters on Kickstarter. Sure. And I, I just add, uh, if your listeners are on Tabletop Simulator, there is a mod on Tabletop Simulator that you can play that I'm actually pretty proud of. Because oh. out of the box, Tabletop Simulator wouldn't do what I needed it to do, so I had to learn to program it. Wow. So, uh, yeah, if you do a search, it comes up as Drift Prototype. Yes. But, yeah, available freely on Tabletop Simulator. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. Cheers. All the best, James. Lovely to catch up. Thank you. Hi, I'm James. I'm the designer of Drift, and uh, the Dice Man Cometh can hit the track with me anytime. Now I've got the pleasure of finally meeting the marketing coordinator for Good Games Australia, Kitty. It's been it's so lovely to meet you face to face yes. after we've been dealing via email. Yes. We have yes. really appreciated all the support you've given us. In person events, amazing. Yeah, so thank you so much for you supporting us. But we're excited to hear what's happening in the world of Good Games retail around Australia. Uh, what exciting things have you got to tell us? So much stuff going on right now. We've got new stores opening. We've got new offerings, etc. Yes. So two of our newest stores are Belconnen, so Good mm -hmm. Games Belconnen. That is in ACT. ACT. And we've also got Good Games Castle Hill moving. Yes. So that's going to be a nice new store with beautiful fit out. Where are they it's moving to? The same shopping center, so Castle oh, okay. Towers, but they're just moving to a better location. Nice. And we've really worked hard on making it look like one of the best good game stores that yes. we could. Um, we've also been focusing a lot on our grading department. So I don't know if people know, but if you're into trading card games, you can go get your cards graded with... What Premier card games? Who? What? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, you can get your cards graded at Good Games now by Fantastic. Premier Card Grading. Um, yes, it's located in Parramatta. That's our flagship store. Yes. So yes, that's also news. We have a flagship store now, Parramatta. Nice. Upstairs is head office, so you can come say hi. Or downstairs is your retail, and we've got the biggest stock inventory in Parramatta. So wow. whatever you need, 
it's at Parramatta. Oh, fantastic. Guaranteed, yeah. Uh, in your online space. Now, I know I wasn't aware about, because I'm not a mm. tradable card game type guy. Neither. But, <laughs> you know, you've, you've got a massive online space yep. around trading cards yep. and... So buying and selling? Yeah, so we do buy and sell singles. I think we are probably one of the leaders in that in the Australian industry. Um, yeah, we've just got so many cards. Go on tcg.goodgames and you can find probably whatever you need, honestly, in any condition as well. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. I, I was just surprised because when you go to your website, yeah. that's a really big presence there that yeah. I wasn't aware of. Yeah. What's so hot right now? What is so hot? Honestly, D&D &D is coming back. So I think Stranger Things really helped yeah, that out. It's no surprise. Up. So many people that are actually like pre-ordering, wanting to get their books like first thing. Um, obviously, Magic is still firing off every set. Yes. We are so busy. There's so much going on. Um, but Flesh and Blood definitely picking up. We went to the Uprising event and that was actually, that was in Sydney and it was, it was bomb. Like it was just, that was like one of the first live TCG events that we went back to and okay. it was insane like it yeah. was just just to see people come together and play it was really it was worth it it was oh, wow. worth it yeah and things like yeah just the events coming back so Command Fest we hosted that in July I believe and yeah it was just the feedback we got with people being like thank you for hosting this like yes. thank you for bringing magic back in person etc makes it so worth it it's really I mean, busy but so worth it yeah because it is it is easier and easier to play online now with so many things 100 but it also it just it doesn't takes feel away the same. part of the fun it does not feel the same there's something about eating with somebody in person as yeah, well right yeah. it's the same with games yeah it's, but it's just, don't mix yeah. the two though don't mix the Stick two your fingers. Yeah. okay i'm probably one of the nasty ones <laughs> that i got a snack on the side but yes no it's it's so good to see people in person okay and what about in the board game space board uh, you game know space. what what i guess What's new that's exciting and also like what's going crazy off the shelves? What's going crazy? Um, I've got to give our Good Games Publishing a plug. So Land vs. Sea was just so well received. Oh, yes. I played it for like the first time maybe like a few months back and it was just shocking how easy it was to learn and yes. how I just wanted to keep going, keep going, keep going. But I mean Stardew Valley, we're at PAX right now. Got to talk about Stardew Valley. That one's a very cute, lovely game. Yeah. Um, I talk a lot about entry-level games because yes. I, I think one of my main goals is to get more people into the hobby. So one of my big pushes is always love letters. Like, I think that's such a... You just can't stop playing it. Like, Absolutely. people, anytime I introduce it, people just want to play it again and again and again and again. Um, but in terms of new stuff, yeah. honestly, everything at PAX, I've, like, I've been desperate to do a demo and just try to learn. Yeah, new same games. for us. Where's the time? I just really want to sit down and try something new. Um, what is there? Well, I mean, what do you, you mentioned about the entry level games because mm. obviously the thing is you might sell 10 copies of a really deep game, yeah. you know, probably for every 100 or more copies yeah. of entry level because that's what people are going to buy. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you've still got your ticket to rides and your Catan. just one and those sort of games that people are buying. Is there anything new in that entry level you think that, that's starting to go off the shelves? New in that entry level space? I can't think of anything off the top of yeah. my head right now. That's okay, I'll put you on the spot. Yeah, honestly, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. I am drawing a blank. Well, it's amazing how often people come back to, yeah. I mean, you know, tickets yeah. are right. Look how long that's been around and it yes. still yes. does a job. Yes. Yes. Except if you're Garth, he's never played Who? it. Really? And, and now, now he wears that as a badge. Yeah, honor, honestly, he has to. He can't ever touch that game now. That's it's, right. It's a thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah, no, but there are de definitely like really exciting games coming out, like Wonderland's War. Like that was. Yes. Yeah, oh. Were, yeah. yeah. That was Thank a good one. Thank you so one. much for that one too. No, all good. That was a really good one. We were super excited about that one. Yeah. Um, the next one that we're super keen on is the Star Wars pandemic style. Oh yes. Yeah. Is that the Clone Wars? Yeah, the Clone Wars. Okay. I think that came out yesterday. Wow. But where we think that's going to be a hit. Yes. Like all the Star Wars and this is this is yeah, your time. Yeah. Someone to shine. mentioned to me actually this early this morning. Mm -hmm. They said. Look, if you're not a Star Wars fan, maybe Pandemic is just as fine. But if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to go crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Libertalia? Yes. I've heard really good the stuff new about version. that one. Yeah, yeah, the new version. Winds of Galecrest, was yes. it? Yeah. Heard lots of good stuff about that. So I think there is a lot of mid-tier games yeah. that are really, really good right now. Okay. I just want to say again, thank you so much for all the support no. that you give us. Anytime. We really do appreciate yeah. it. It's been wonderful. You've been so willing to listen to the sort of the style of games that we want to yeah. play, but also introduce us to new things as well. Yeah. It just really, look, I have to say, Wonderland's War, I watched a video and yeah. I was like, this is going to be crap. It's too busy, really? it's whatever. Yeah. And then I played it and it I totally good. fell in love with it. And we, we all did. Yeah. So a classic example of something that maybe we wouldn't have even looked at, mm. but Thanks to you. Thanks to Gigi. We had a huge episode. We talked about it. We yeah. loved it. Yeah. And, oh, and we've so actually had a few friends that have bought it. Love Again, that. thank love, you love, so love. much. Anything that's popped into your head now that I'm about to take the microphone away that you want to tell our listeners? Well, I just want to wish you guys like the best of luck. Honestly, the Australian tabletop creating space is so niche. We've been like solid up by America. Yes. So I really want you guys to just succeed put us up on the map we we need like more board game conventions we need more stuff like this oh so, yeah. yeah we're here at pax i mean you know it's pity this is an audio medium yeah. but there's just we're surrounded by thousands yeah. and thousands of people we're at the back of a retail shop here and it's just you know the cash registers are ching ching chinging yeah. people are just walking up and uh, buying so much stuff it's so great to see the demand is there let's make it work yeah thank you so much kitty awesome. lovely to thank meet you, you see you cheers all right, now, very exciting time for me at PAX. I'm here with the team from Quill Silver Games, Dan, Brenner, and Greg. And firstly, lovely to meet you all. Of course, I've met you before, Dan, in person. Yes. Lovely to meet the rest of you in person. You have been producing some amazing quality material uh, under your own banner, under other banners. We've been so impressed. You've just run me through uh, an amazing little game called Dwagon with a stunning 3D printed dragon as part of the game. Um, a lovely little card game. But firstly, so Dan, yes. um, how's life been treating you? And what have you been up to lately? Uh, making lots of games, basically, Mark. That's kind of, other than, I mean, obviously the rest of life's great too, but, yes. but in terms of our game making, I mean, just so many projects and just, I think, you know, we when we started Cool Silver two years ago, as you know, games take a long time to yes. make. So for you know a year, a year and a half, you sort of what's happening? I don't really know. And then they're all everything's just sort of starting to come out now. So you know, a lot of the games that we worked on and we couldn't talk about yes. maybe a year and a half ago are all just suddenly starting to appear. So games like Dog Park, Trekking Through History, Paint the Roses, Role Player Adventures many many more games that we we had a part in and we're all starting to sort of come come into shops now which has been really cool to see uh and now we're just starting to do a few more co-productions and 
designing games from scratch for companies. So we designed a game called Spectrum for Jubilee Media, who's a YouTube channel that have like a game show. We, okay. we created a board game version of their, their show. Uh, and we're also starting to develop our own games in-house, which is what this Bad Dragon Dwagon game is. We're sort of playing with that idea of just, yeah. just creating things from scratch and dreaming things up as well. And so, Brenna, yeah. this is a fabulous little game, Dwagon. Where did the inspiration come from? Well, so we've kind of been toying with this game idea for quite a, a long time. I think we were interested in the idea because Roll and Move is kind of a reviled mechanic in the gaming <laughs> community. Um, I think we kind of saw it as a fun challenge, like how can we make a fun roll and move game that gamers will enjoy. And we had been really interested in just trying to make some of these super approachable, kind of lightweight, mass market games. Um, and roll and move is a great avenue to do that. Like it's so intuitive and people just know it. Yeah. So that was kind of the genesis of it. It wasn't always a dragon. It used to be a little chihuahua. Um, <laughs> that was, I want that one. I want yeah. a chihuahua. <laughs> that was uh, going around destroying people's houses. Uh, and then it, it evolved into the dragon. <laughs> and the idea to put like a physical presence in the game with this gorgeous 3D dragon, yeah. did that come at the start? Did it come later? We always knew that we wanted to do that. We wanted the game to have a really strong toy factor yes. um, for this kind of hopefully this line of games that we're concepting right now they'll all have that toy component or kind of like a mascot of the game yes. we think that's really important for this audience so yeah that was always one of the goals awesome and greg let me ask you so as, as dan mentioned there's a lot of co-designs at the moment or co-productions we've seen that with uh, we recently had a look at trekking through history yes the name right this time Yesterday we played Alex Winter's Panorama. Absolutely stunning game, by the way. Really impressed with that one. There's a big market out there from companies where they've got an idea, they don't really know where they want to go with it, and you're the sort of company where they can come to to co-develop, co-produce, take their idea and turn it into a real game. Would that be would Yeah, that be that's correct? true. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have Dan and Brenner who like concentrate on... Uh, they liaise more with the clients as far as development and, and like build the game up and play test it and work on the uh, kind of the overall way it looks and feels yep. and and then I kind of get involved with kind of more of the art and the 3D work and if it needs minis or it needs we kind of tend every into, game needs minis. Yes, Rick. that's true. <laughs> Dan and I are kind of developing a style where we use combined 3D with like a painted style. Oh. So, so to add like three dimensions to the artwork. Yes. So a lot of like this Dwagon game, a lot of the artwork is based around the initial miniature that I made and being able to pose. Yeah, I love the fact that, as you said, you, when you look at the cards, it's not just a drawing of a dragon, it's the actual dragon that's flying yeah. around in the game. The mini is on the cards, but in different poses. The mini itself is amazing. And it just, I mean, as I was walking across the room, I spotted it. Like what the hell is that? It looks gorgeous. But then you've also you've got that in the uh, in the art as well. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's and and going on with the theme when we start trying to incorporate toys, that'll be the same process yes. to kind of marry it all together. I want the first Chihuahua. Yes. <laughs> um, so Dan, I have to say, you guys, you're just going from strength to strength to strength. Um, it's fantastic to see that three of you can be working full time on this. Yep. How would you describe, you know, what it was 
for you in the industry sort of, you know, three, four years ago compared to now? Well, it's a very different experience working for ourselves than working for a company. You know, I've really enjoyed the ability to just work with a lot of different people yes. and, and, you know, pick and choose projects that yeah. I'm passionate about. That's been really great. And also just the freedom, I think, like working with different people as sort of not, not only because they've got different ideas and different perspectives, but it just challenges you to sort of like keeps you inspired, yeah. you know, to work and with different keeps people, things well. keeps things fresh. Yeah. So that's, that's been really good. And, and it tends to, you know, lead to projects like this and other projects where we can just continue to explore. And I mean, for me, when I got into this, this whole yes. business, you know, it was about having these sort of ideas and wanting to sort of explore over the next hill and try new things. Yeah. And it's just given us the freedom to do that. And there's a lot of other companies out there that have that same philosophy and that drive to great the next new interesting thing yeah. or, you know. I guess the thing is also not everyone can have a great game that they make themselves but they can have a great idea yep. for a game which then they can bring to people like you absolutely you can bring it into fruition which is really exciting yeah I'd always enjoyed that yeah. I mean yeah we work, we work with a lot of first time designers you know the dog park team yes. uh, Lottie and Jack they're, they're first time designers and we were able to work with them and help them realise that that was really great and then we'll work with you know companies that are really established and just looking for some fresh ideas yes. and a different spark so i'm looking forward to the next three years i mean i don't know where we'll end up but i'm sure it'll be somewhere different so i've got to ask then so brenna um what's happening now with the wagon is the next one going to be called chihuahua um and yeah where, where can people get hold of something like this um, so Dragon is, uh, you know, we're playtesting this weekend. We, wagon. We, wagon. Wagon. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, we're playtesting it. It's still kind of in development. Um, even just this weekend, we've gotten some really good feedback and good responses to the game. You probably noticed uh, some stickered cards. Yes. You know, things were changing on the fly, just small adjustments. So gameplay not 100% yet, but we do think it's pretty close. So I think probably like in the next six months, we'd want it to be finished and ready for release with all the art finished. Um, this art is all placeholder that you see, but the, the dragon art is final. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that, that's really it. So I think um, this will kind of be the first experiment for us in this yes. line of these really mass market approachable games. And hopefully it goes well and we can do more of them. Um, and one thing that we like about this system is it is super rethemable. Yes, um, so if we, if we wanted to do the Chihuahua version, we certainly could. Um, we've thought about doing a version with like a little Pegasus where instead of destroying your realm, it actually helps you build your realm, things well, like that. I was just immediately <laughs> thinking IP, you know, yes. Winnie the Pooh, he goes around, he steals all your honey. Yeah. It could be anything really cool. Um, yeah. Hulk. Yeah. yeah, we definitely thought about the Hulk oh, yeah. going around destroying. Um, Marvel, we know you're listening. Give us a call. Oh, thank you. And any other thing on the horizon that, that any of you can tease us about? Um, let's see, we're working on uh, the new expansion for role, role player adventures. Yes. That'll be on Kickstarter soon. Um, that's going really well. It's going to be really cool for people. I'm working on a new expansion for Dog Park. Uh, really excited for that. That team is doing such a good job. NDAs. Yeah. Oh, we are doing. We designed a game with um, the Tessa Collective um, called Green Cities, which will be out next year. It's um, really cool uh, tile laying game about um, build, building a 
Green Sustainable City. Yes. Uh, they're a really cool company. They do a lot of work with you know nonprofits and games with social conscience and stuff. So we we're really happy to work with them. So that'll be out next June. Did you say the Tesla Collective? Uh, a Tessa. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry. I was going to say, oh, Elon Musk has had his oh, fingers no, in the no. pockets already, has he? Yeah, Let's keep him out of yeah, business. Yeah, not, not quite yet. Um, but yeah, no, T-E-S-A. Uh, awesome. Definitely recommend checking them yeah. out. Uh, Mycology, the Mycology. Greg did the art for a game about mushrooms that's coming to Kickstarter in this winter. Okay. Sorry, so uh, the, the American winter. Sorry. <laughs> Summer. Yeah. Yeah, so that's another one. There's a few little Kickstarters coming yeah. up. Yeah. Lots, lots and lots of different little things. Look, as I said, we are so excited to see the success that you're having. So well deserved. The games you put out in the past just blow people away. You just see the success that something like Everdell has had with the big box coming out now. But even like this, this is just a, a simple little card game, but it's got such a huge table presence with the Dwagon. A lot of fun. Really excited to see where this goes and really excited to see you guys just, as we said, going from strength to strength with that Australian slash American banner. Yeah, keep us in the loop, but lovely to see you all. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's Sunday morning at PAX, and I'm here with Britta from VR. Firstly, Britta, thank you so much for all the support that VR gives the Dice Man. We really do appreciate it. Getting access to some of the newest and hottest games, not having to wait months is amazing. So firstly, I wanted to thank you for that. But secondly, how has your PAX been? Well, thank you for having me in this little interview. Um, PAX has been awesome for me. It's my first PAX ever. I've never oh. come as an attendee or um, anything like that. And I was like crazy overwhelmed on the first day. The flood of people for tabletop was incredible. Um, and the last, yesterday was like, I had started to soak in the energy and yes. was just vibing off it all. Um, <laughs> it was so good. Um, our area over here with all our demo tables has seen just so many people that have come over and have never played a game before. Yeah. Um, and then they stay for five or six games. Um, we've seen people form friendships over games and that's probably my favorite thing about PAX has been just seeing the community side of things and, and reminding me of why I want to do what I do. Yeah, and I mean, the amazing thing is, I'm sure you would have seen it, you know, Friday evening, Saturday evening, where people come across from the, you know, in old man speak, computer game section. <laughs> yep. And then they go, oh yeah, I, I've played Uno, I've played Exploding Kittens, I've played that other rude game where people, you know, say rude <laughs> words. You know, oh, that is cool, whatever you've got there, I don't know what it is, but let's have a look. And then, as you said, they start playing and they're like, oh wow, who would have known there was such fun in board games and such a huge variety. And you're right, then they, they stay for, well, you know, from 6 till 10, 11, it's still full yeah. here generally 11 p.m.? Yeah, yeah, we've said we've had people staying for around six hours just at our booth alone because yeah. um, we've just got such a selection of games. Um, people, We've got people to teach them. Our demo team has been incredible this year, just everyday gamers just wanting to lend a hand. Um, yeah, the one of the things that surprised me the most actually was um, we thought people would come in drips sort of from opening. It would sort of, they'd have a look in video games and then we'd slowly see people filter yep. in. but. On the first day on Friday, it was like an incredible wave of humans just <laughs> surpass, they're going straight past video games and just coming. It was a yeah. wave, of, wave of people and heat coming down straight, rushing for tabletop. Um, and it's just reflective of how uh, how culture and gaming culture has changed in the last couple of years because of COVID. Just people, they just want to be at tabletop. Yeah, they want to know about it. We're not the we're not the poor second cousin that we used to be tucked up in the back corner. No, 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 no. We've got That's a huge sure. space this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's massive and everyone's interested. It's not a uh, 
It's not the weird, geeky thing it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep telling ourselves that, okay? We, we, we will. Um, so, with your demos, what do you reckon are like, the top three re really most popular games that you've seen? Uh, top three is definitely, we've got the Fuzzies, which is a new release. It's kind of like a modern take on Jenga with some little um, squishy balls that stick together. Um, it sounds... That sounds ridiculous, but people absolutely love it. It's yeah. hilarious. We've got Clask is always a classic. Yes. Uh, we've sold out of Clask um, as well. And the surprise one for us, surprising only because it's unknown, was Herd Mentality by Big Potato Games. Oh. Um, we've sold out of that. People, like, they play it and just fall in love. It's just this this game where you've got to try and guess what the, um, the common answer will be to any sort of question. It's a 4 to 20 player game, and that just makes it, you know, when do you get a 20 yes. player game, you know? Um, and that's the kind of game that I've seen people that don't know each other at all say, oh, we need a few extra players, draw them in, and suddenly they're best mates going wow. around to all the other tables together. Yeah, awesome. And that's kind of what you want in a game, and that, yeah, people have responded really, really well to Herd Mentality. Okay. And then what about, say, existing gamers? What are they coming here looking for? the sort of the stuff that's hot off the presses maybe that attracts them. Is there anything that stands out? Yeah, so our existing gamers are really keen on the pandemic Star Wars, Clone Wars. Oh, yes. uh, they're, they're very interested in that one. Um, that's a, obviously it's a pandemic system, so they've got the classic gameplay and they're drawing in a more strategy side, um, like a more tabletop kind of gameplay. You've mm -hmm. got a little bit of choice there with a squad deck, so you can add some extra abilities. You've got a big dice, chunky dice that you're rolling around. Um, and it's got minis, so yeah. people are crazy for that oh, one. Yeah. And, and it's Star Wars, which is so hot right now. It is so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are buying it without even knowing how the game's yeah. played, just because it's got this beautiful Star Wars front cover. Um, the other game that people are interested in for more of a tabletop side of things is the new uh, game brand Next Move Games. So the guys who make Azul, they've got Maui out. Um, ah. It's a beach theme. You're laying beach towels and trying to match up the uh, like the patterns on the beach towels. Okay. Very, very fast. I'd say it's like a coffee table game, but yeah. people are interested because it's Next Move, you know, mm -hmm. so big names, yeah. big publisher, um, and that's one. that one's really hot of press. Barely anyone's played it in Australia, so we're lucky to have it demoing here. Yeah, well, I mean... Firstly, when can we get a copy of that one? And the Star Wars one uh, also sounds like one you know you need to send our way. I think it is. Um, anything else you want to highlight? Anything exciting on the horizon? And what about for you personally? What's been your highlight for the weekend? Uh, uh, so I guess on the horizon we've got a few titles that for me have gone a little bit um, under the radar when they release. We've got The Adventures of Robin Hood from Cosmos Games. Mm. It's a narrative-driven campaign game. It's totally replayable. Um, it just... People, it came out and it went under the radar like some games do. It, to be to be honest, it's one of my favourite gaming experiences I've ever had okay. with my family. Um, they've got a new expansion coming out later this year. So we've got that on demo today and I'm gonna, just going to try and get as many people into it as I can because I think it's a game that needs a lot more yes. love. Um, and for me, the, my the favourite thing about PAX, my whole experience here has just been meeting people. Um, I, I just love, I love meeting people, I love meeting other gamers, I love hearing their stories, um, seeing how they're connected in the communities, everyone knows everyone here, it's, it's a very big small world. Yeah, well look, I mean, for me one of the highlights was this very friendly face popping up and going, hey are you the Dice Man? I'm Britta from VR. <laughs> like it's so nice to meet you face to face, really nice to meet and you. as you said, the sense of community here, it's really grown from, I think my first PAX was 20... 14 or 2015 and as I said tabletop was just a few tables tucked away in the corner now it's massive some people so many people come here just for this experience and don't even go next door um, and as you said the, the you've got a collaboratory with new games coming through new publishers it's so exciting the 
tabletop scene in Australia is just going from strength to strength. Yeah. Thank you for being part of it and thank you for involving us. Um, we love working with you. Enjoy Sunday. I hope it's not too crazy for you. I hope it is crazy as. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks so much for talking to us, Britta. Lovely to meet you. You too. Thank you so much. All right, now I'm very excited to be here in front of a real celebrity of PAX. Where? Who? <laughs> it's Mark Morrison from Campaign Coins, but also, look, I'd like to say, world-renowned RPG designer, contributor, writer in the world of Call of Cthulhu especially. And, Mark, you do have a particularly fond place in my heart because back in, I think it was 2014, when Trent and I ran our first panel at PAX. That's right. And interviewed yourself and Martin Wallace. Yes, that was fantastic. And I still remember the advice Martin Wallace gave about kickstarting. Yes. Which which curled my toes, and I'm going to quote it badly, but he thought, no, no, I'm just going to leave it be. I know it as well <laughs> as Martin. But play test your games before you publish them, kids. That's, that's, the, that's the Cliff Notes version, but it was a great time. Campaign coins going really strongly, I see. What, what have you been up to there? We have been making metal, working with a lot of cool people making cool games. Mm -hmm. uh, we've just done the Die RPG from Rowan, Rook and Deckard. They're fair gold coin. Um, we are doing things with Monty Cook games. We're doing the script coins for the old gods of Appalachia. Wow. Uh, and also we're making cool, cool coins for their Plane Breaker 5th edition supplement. This is just what I can pull out of my baked head. Yeah. Uh, lots of things all the time. And on our own turf, it's really amazing to be back at PAX after three years and realizing how many new releases we've got people yes. have never seen before. People are loving the Beowulf inspiration token, a beautiful kind of Anglo-Saxon design, fresh from the barrow uh, with kind of shining gems. Uh, we've got our concentration tokens. The sun and moon one looks like stained glass. It's really pretty. Oh, nice. So what we do always is say, what do we want on our gaming table? Yep. And then we make that. So, and it works out. For us, uh, you know, you might be intrigued. I bought a set of, I don't even know their name, but they're terribly, horribly looking black coins, very evilly looking. And Trent, as our game master in Call of Cthulhu, we use them for sanity. And oh, he, wow, that's great. He loves great. to hear them just go chink, chink, chink as he drops them back in the box after we lose them, of course. I love that. You've crossed the beams. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, uh, I'll give you an exclusive. We've got an Elder Sign token, oh. and it's quite fantastic. And we've just got the sample in, so that'll be oh. coming just in time for the tail end of the 40th anniversary of Call of Cthulhu. Oh, fantastic. So I like it when I get my Cthulhu brain gets to mug my coin maker brain. Well, I was going to ask you, so in terms of the Call of Cthulhu, of course we know you had the, the, set, the setting of the French Revolution. So... Have you been up to anything in that space at all? I know you've been yep. traveling the world, I think, just prior to COVID or maybe started oh, traveling again yes, now? Yes, back in 1873. Hot air balloon. <laughs> it was lovely. Over the Ganges. What a time. There is a second Reign of Terror book, Ooh. which is going to be out next year uh, with some fantastic kind of extra writers. Uh, James Crocolard is in there. Darren Watson has a full scenario, which is so cool. They're all really cool. Kelly Grant has a scenario. Yeah. Everyone really got into the themes. We've kind of really looked at the period after the revolution. Okay. And that's got my haunting scenario in there. Ooh. Love a turn. So that's a pretty good book. I'm excited about that. What I'm really excited is Penny plotted an entire Cthulhu Gout by Gaslight campaign called Curse of Seven. Oh. And then we got all of our favorite friends to, to write for it. And each of the scenario is in the style of a different 
author of the period. So there's an Algernon Blackwood style wow. scenario, an M.R. James style scenario, a um, Arthur Mackin style scenario. They're all very different. And uh, that's a great campaign. Ooh, that so that'll sounds... follow the new Cthulhu by Gaslight. Um, so yeah, that's the upcoming hotness. Fantastic. Well, Mark, it's lovely to catch up with you again. Great to see you looking so well, keeping so busy and being such a luminary of our hobby. Thank you so much for your time today and I hope you have a great PAX. That's very kind and I believe I have. Thank you, Mark. So I'm so lucky. It's Sunday here at PAX. We found the person we've been looking for all weekend. She's so elusive, partly because she's tiny, partly because she's hiding behind a mask, partly because she's, she's one of these people that are in the background of the hobby, but so important. And we wanted to touch base with Steph, the marketing coordinator for Let's Play Games. So how's your PAX been, Steph? Hey, Mark. Uh, PAX has been a whirlwind. Um, as uh, people will probably be out of here, I'm losing my voice. It's day three, but hey, that's PAX. Um, it's been an amazing experience. Uh, we have a lot that we are doing at PAX here as well. Uh, so Let's Play Games got the opportunity to represent uh, 13 publishers yeah. here at PAX Australia across five split up spaces. So it was quite huge. And yes, yeah, so it's been amazing. Everywhere I look, when we walked in, we were like, hang on, Let's Play Games are there. No, no, they're over there. No, they're over there. Like, how can one person be in all those places? And you've got you've got so many brands, you've got so many publishers, you've got so many great games. We've seen Turing Machine going off. That's been a big one. Yes. Um, Sagrada. Now, is, yes. that, is that because of the new legacy version coming out? Uh, well, so we wanted to represent uh, that publisher here in, in some way. Yes. And, uh, of course, Sagrada has been a fan favourite and they do have the new ones. So yeah. we were like, you know what, it makes sense to kind of put Sagrada here for people yeah. to experience it and, and test it out. So, and then yeah. I saw also Decrypto, which is always a crowd favourite. Exactly. So we did bring Turing, which is the, or the Turing machine, which is the new one. But we always wanted to do an evergreen next to it. And so uh, Decrypto kind of makes sense. They're both, you know, puzzle code cracking games yes. um, so they kind of go hand in hand if you like one you're probably gonna like the other yeah. um, so they kind of make sense to put next to each other on a booth and have you had many copies that you can actually sell or I guess uh, they <laughs> just tell people go and find these retailers yeah correct. The, retail, the retail presence here is huge so busy though they must be yes. selling so many games yeah correct so we uh, did more of a learn to play demo sort of experiences so people could come try out some games and have a bit of fun and then if they did enjoy the game they could go over to retailers uh, and yep. yeah purchase a copy uh, Turing Machine unfortunately there were no other copies mm. we were very thankful and very lucky to get some here in just in time to demo which I think has been fantastic um, the response to it has been overwhelming yeah. um, I actually love that game I got to try it out at Gen Con which um, I was so thankful to try it out yes. at Gen Con and yeah I'm glad we got to bring it to PAX yeah we played it last night with someone's Gen Con copy <laughs> as it was we had a great time but you know it's like we've only touched the surface got to try it again got to ratchet up the difficulty a bit more there's, yes. there's so much to explore there yeah correct now can you tease us maybe what's coming in the near future maybe that you, you're excited about um, there is Wingspan Asia, Ooh. obviously, which is coming. Uh, we do actually have Wingspan Asia here at one of our demo spaces. Uh, unfortunately, again, not to buy, but you can go and experience it. And I know Wingspan is a favourite. Like, oh, yes. everyone loves that game. And that will be coming out over the next few months here in Australia. The yes. next one that is here also is The Wolves that we have from Pandasaurus. Oh, yes. um, that's a really cool game. I actually didn't get to try it until I got here at PAX as well. Uh, we got a couple of really quick copies in. Yep. Our demonstrator learnt it just like the week before PAX and then I sat down with our demonstrator 
gave it a go and I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Um, that's an Essen release as well, The Wolves. Ah, right. So we were really excited that Pandasaurus let us bring it to PAX oh, while lovely. also having it at Essen. And that will be in retailer stores coming soon as well. Yeah. yeah and in the past, we've had Essen in October and then we've had PAX in November. So we've sort of had time between the two. Yeah. It must be so difficult for you at the moment where they're basically happening exactly at the same time. Yeah, so Essen and PAX at the same time, it's kind of good and kind of bad. It's great because it means we get to do releases at the same time. Yes. If they've got something over there and we can tee it up to do it in PAX, then the Australian market gets to experience it without having to go all the way to Essen. So that's really nice for everyone. Yes. But it does also mean our team got split in two this year. So they've got some Let's Play Games people over at Essen doing the Essen thing, and then we've got a big presence down here. And so it does make it hard for that. You can't go to both. I obviously can't go to no, Essen. I've got to be we, here at PAX. We had to choose, you know, to come here. Exactly, and I think a lot of people did. So it's like, it's good, but it's bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I guess the exciting thing is we're here. We're growing the hobby. There are so many people here in PAX. You know, we get the bleed mm. over from the video games. Yeah where people are just dipping the toe in the water. So it's so fantastic that you and your team are here. Start them on that journey, help them wherever they are Definitely. on the journey. Um, look, let me say publicly, thank you so much for oh, supporting us. We are very excited to work with you more because obviously you can get us all the great new games and we can give you some fantastic content. It's a dream match, really. <laughs> um, but look, enjoy the rest of your packs. I hope you get your voice back a little bit. But I hope <laughs> it's a great day today and thank you again. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me and yeah, I look forward to listening to your podcasts later from the, all the packs roundup. Oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> so here we are Sunday at packs and I've managed to catch up with a very busy man, Carl Lang, who's one of the co-owners at Guff. Now, is it Guff Studios? Uh, Guff Studios, yep. So we are affiliated with the Guff Stores. Yes. Uh, Mark Carter, um, the owner of all the Guff Stores, is um, also one of the co-owners of Guff Studios, as well as Stella Yaya from Maple University. Um, is the, the third uh, piece of the puzzle in our, um, our new little um, publishing venture, um, trying to bring um, fantastic games uh, from Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asian designers to the world and bring games from the world uh, to this Australian Southeast Asian bubble that may not otherwise come down here. Fantastic. Now, have you drawn the short straw? Because I did see a photo of Stella at the Eschen Spiel right now. Yes. Uh, and you're here at PAX. Definitely. So, um, look, a little bit. I've actually got a 10-month-old um, uh, myself. So Aww. we went over went over to Gen Con. That was my, uh, my one ticket uh, over in the year. We were all over there, actually, which was fantastic. Yeah. Mark is um, is working down at another booth in the video game section for ah. his for his um, other other oh, side gig or whichever one's a side, side gig. So it's just me managing the, managing this one here today. But we've been going fantastically. I think we've had people sitting at um, our two tables pretty well the whole weekend. Yeah, a um, lot of things on show, so it's going really well for us so far. Yeah. So talk us through a few of these games here. I met your lovely wife this morning. She started to talk to me about floating floors, yes. and I said, look, I better save it till the head honcho <laughs> comes back. So do you want to fill us in about that one? Yeah, sure. So Floating Floors um, was one of the winners at the 2021 Tabletop um, Indie Showcase. Um, yep. They were lovely enough, um, gracious enough to honour um, our booth still for this year. So um, we've got our little winner booth over there for Floating Floors. So designed by Takashi Sawada, New Zealand-based uh, Japanese designer. Um, and what he was trying to do with Floating Floors was to... Um, evoke the feeling um, of uh, nightingale floors that you had in feudal Japanese uh, castles. Yep. We'd have little pieces of metal under the floorboards that would squeak when you stood on certain places. A little bit of an ancient um, ancient security system just so you'd know if people were breaking into your castle. 
So what we have in floating floors um, is players are placing little wooden pieces that we're calling jitsu um, onto uh, terrain tiles and then balancing uh, floorboards on top that they then have to cross. The challenge being that you can only stand on spaces of your colour. So we have a black and a white ninja. Okay. So you're working your way across the black and white floorboards or your pieces. So placing those on those on those tiles to walk across them. There is a little bit of dexterity in there, but we're really calling it a, a more physics-based game where it's understanding how the balance works and how you can counterbalance those tiles, placing certain pieces on the other side so yes. that you can walk across sides that may not have any pieces underneath them as you work your way around the floorboard to uh, floor to collect your pieces before uh, the other players. It's a, a very cool little mechanic with the, and I know look, when you look at it, it really catches your eye. The fact that the floors are actually floating. It's, exactly. It's very cool. You've got a couple of other games here. Firstly, my eye was automatically attracted to the dim sum over yes. here. In, uh, steam, steam up, up, is it? Yes. Plastic chicken's feet? <laughs> yes. Um, so um, the other arm of what Guff Studios is doing is bringing those games into Australia. So we've got um, two games on show here. Feast, uh, steam Up, A Feast of Dim Sum. Three women um, from Vancouver, um, Chinese background. They've done a fantastic job of making this very evocative, um, culturally accurate dim sum feast game. So you, uh, each player is playing as one of the 12 Chinese zodiac animals. And they've come to this dim sum restaurant to eat their fill um, of these delicious dim sum pieces. Now, of course, it is rude to reach across the table um, and take him some from the other side. So what we have here is this little lazy Susan in the yes, centre of the table um, that spins around with um, all your little steamers on it. Um, you're collecting tokens to then match what's in those steamers to be able to take those steamers, placing them onto your um, character to be able to score points with each character scoring in slightly different ways. So the seafood lover, of course, is earning more points for eating the seafood dim sum. Yeah. Uh, we've got the, the food blogger wants to get a range of everything, so they're seeing lots of different um, lots of different foods um, to, to put up on their Instagram there. Yes. Other thing, with, it looks it's very familiar to me. Endless winter. Endless winter. Is a big Kickstarter here. Is that it was right? a big Kickstarter. So both were on Kickstarter early in the year. But yes, um, endless winter did fantastically well. We've just received our stock. I believe it's for sale for the first time here and at Essen. Wow. It's the first time it's been for sale anyway. So all the Australian. Kickstarter backers should have received their soccer or their, um, we've had a number saying, I've got a notification sitting at home, I'm pretty sure my, my copy's just arrived. So, looks like there's a lot going on here, but in reality you're only doing one of four actions each turn. So it's quite a tight deck building with a little bit of worker placement, a little bit of area control, a little bit of set collection going on in here. So, um, you're um, Endless Winter Paleo-Americans, you are building a tribe um, in the Ice Age, um, working your way around these various areas of the board. So building up your tribe, which is adding more cards into your deck for your deck building element. You are building culture, which are cards um, cards that you put into your deck that help you do um, extra little bits and pieces, earning extra resources and food, um, letting you bury cards, which is removing them from your deck for um, sort of a little bit of um, uh, thinning your deck out for the deck building element there, um, as well as a number of other things. We have an area control um, element where you're placing tents um, and moving them around to try and form a triangle um, on the board to then place a permanent camp structure mm -hmm. and the last um, action that you can choose from is hunting which is a little bit of a set collection trying to collect uh, these animal cards can be worth a lot of points as uh, if you collect sets of matching animals you can also um, kill off the animals which can get you a very big input of um, food and weapons and um, so on so killing your saber-toothed um, cat you get a little bit of meat um, and two, two weapons from his fangs to your spears to then um, hunt and do other things with um, as you're working your way around. So each turn you're only doing um, three of those four actions and there's uh, four rounds in the game. So it's 12 actions um, of that set. So it's, it, although there's a lot going on, it's quite a simple rule set of what you're playing with. And it's really how you optimize your turn and try and make, make the most of each, each of those elements. As with a lot of these games with a lot of things going on, you generally want to try and yeah. focus on two or three of them um, to, to, to go quite deep into those. But there's enough flexibility uh, if you decide to change your strategy or someone else is blocking you out, you can swing because 
you're using the same resources being, being the, the cards from your hand, using the work on those and your food and weapons for any of the actions that you're doing. So you, you're obviously uh, getting access to some really high quality games here into the Australian market. That's that's really exciting. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's a little bit of a gap um, that distributors seem to be a little bit more focused on America and Europe. Yeah. Um, and, and you can often get these games down here, but they end up being quite expensive. Yeah. We've found um, a number of um, companies that we've been talking to. Currently, their, their stock is all goes to America and then has to come back to here. And it just doesn't make sense yeah. to, to, to make it um, accessible to our market. So I'm definitely trying to bring, bring some of these bigger games in as well as publishing fantastic Australian, New Zealand, Southeast Asian design games, getting artists from the same region as well, yeah. to just really build up and grow this Australian industry. Yeah, brilliant. Well, look, it's so good to talk to someone who's, you know, been really involved in this in this industry from the ground up and now putting your time, your sweat, your dollars back into it. I've been saying all day, like a rising tide floats all boats. So good to see the Australian industry just going from strength to strength here. You've been a huge part of it. Um, so all the best to PAX here today. We'd be really looking forward to seeing what Guff's up to in the future. Definitely. And thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me. No, easy. Thank you. Thank you for having a chat. Okay, now I'm here with PAX returnee <laughs> and RPG creator extraordinaire Wade Dyer. He of the fragged universe, which is just expanding, expanding faster than the actual universe, I think. <laughs> you've got your various editions of your role-playing game. Now you've got minis. Mm -hmm. What what have you been up to since we've seen your last wait? And, and what, what's coming that you can tell us about? Oh man, every time everyone says last time I've seen you, you've got to add two years to that yes. normally. So um, a lot of it, okay, so I've, I've printed a few extra books that I kickstarted before all that sort of nonsense. Yes. And they're out. I did a second edition of my Fragged Empire sci-fi is oh. on the works. And I've I'm sort of slowly figuring out, making a couple more resin minis. That okay. such a, the, the minis are a vanity project. Yes. I do them because I love them. So you're talking about these massive ones that you've got here as well, or oh, they're are just, they just show? Just they're show. just they're, they're just show pieces. Get okay. people's attention to my yeah. booth. Come look at me. I have big shiny things. Yeah, yeah. People might buy them, you know. Well, I, I've had offers. people offered, but I, I can't. Technically, they belong to a friend of mine. Uh, the deal was he printed them. My lovely wife painted them. Yeah. He gets to keep them, but I borrow them for packs. Nice. Well, that sounds like a good deal. Yeah, it works. So you were just saying a minute ago, you just had a big Kickstarter success yes, with I did. your second edition. Yeah, yeah. That went way better than I could have expected. Wow. So we raised, um, I think it was over 250000 wow. which is over twice what I'd ever done before. Yeah, and that, so that, that was employed for the next three months at least. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like I get to keep my job, yeah. you know, for a while longer. Brilliant. I'm very humbled by my community. Yeah. I think that's something that I, I really enjoy is just creating people, something that people really enjoy. I like hearing the stories of the games that they create and yeah, I feel very honored to be able to do what I do. From what I hear, you do have a very loyal community, but the other thing you've got going now, longevity, you've been going for... Uh, yeah, eight, eight years. Eight years full time. Yeah, that's and this, amazing in this hobby. It is. I'm like, and I just support my family, and it's putting food. Like, obviously, no one's getting super rich. Yes, but it's paying the bills, and that that just feels great. Every year, you don't have to eat dog food. Is another good year. <laughs> that's right. And so you've got minis here. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember seeing them back in the last time we spoke, 2019. So tell us about the minis. Are they just for role playing? Are you doing anything extra with them? Yeah, so they're, they're resin miniatures and I'm making them to like really highly detailed, really nice sort of boutique minis. I've had some of them for a while, 
but it's sort of been a bit on the down low because I've struggled with production, figuring out how to get them manufactured and things like that. Um, but I'm slowly working that out and I'm getting some painted up and looking nice, you know, getting a bit more into that field. Yes. I have another couple of projects on the back burner. Um, I've got a board game in the works and also a skirmish game, which I'm hoping to use for the minis oh. for as well. But it's always a bit of a case of like, I'm working on them, they're going well, development's good, but yeah. you always got to say like, let's see how it goes, yes. you know, because there's a lot of things have got to line up for those those projects to like turn into something solid. Well, role players are funny people and I, I even bumped into a few where it's like, oh, have you seen a mini that it's like a person, <laughs> but they're in a rabbit costume, but they've got a gun <laughs> in one hand, but it's like a two-handed gun, but they're holding it in one yeah, hand. Yeah, have yeah. you seen a mini like that? So they can be very particular. I, I've had a few people come by and they're like, I'm looking for a little dog. <laughs> and I was like, I was looking for a little girl with pigtails and and for me like I'm like oh maybe maybe check out this range or yeah. that range but um yeah <laughs> if you can find the perfect mini yes. that it does a lot yeah yeah but look they do look great did you say it's your wife that does the painting yeah so my my wife is like a canvas painter she's like a real artist yeah. and she's lovingly helped me paint up all of my minis Ooh. But she was really strange about it in that she's she does a fantastic job, but she refused to look at how other people did it. It's like, I won't look at anything online, how wow. other people do it. I'm going to figure this out myself. And uh, yeah, no, she's done a great job. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, no, they're looking absolutely schmick. I don't know if you've got anything else you want to spoil that's upcoming. Um, second edition should be printed early next year. PDFs are already out on drive through yeah, always feel free to hit me up on social media. Anyone can. I always reply to every message. I love chatting to people. Yeah, and, look, it's fantastic. Yeah. You, you take such an active role in your community. This is, you know, a project that was born out of your heart, but it's just fantastic to see you just go from success to success mm. to success. Aussie wonderkind in the role-playing world. <laughs> um, it's great to catch up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, mate. It's great to talk to you again. Awesome. It's Neil here from BorderCon at the uh, PAX this year, 2022. And I've just run into the Dice Men, great guys, been here all three days, pounding the hard concrete floor, uh, getting some more great content for the show. Well done, fellas. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.